across it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Five Stripe Final, the world's only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things Atlanta United. And if it's me, Joe, telling you guys the intro, then you know one thing, and that is that Sam Jones has been attacked by college students. And it's happened again. They got him. They got him on the soccer fields tonight. I'm not sure exactly how bad how bad it is. Uh, it's bad enough that he is not able to come on the show tonight. Hopefully he doesn't have to make an x-ray or a a hospital trip, but I fear that he will. But regardless, we march on and we will answer your questions. It'll just be me and y'all tonight. Digging into some Atlanta United stuff. Uh, I'm going to go through your questions uh, on Twitter, but first let's let's think back to uh, the game against Rebels, and then we should probably also consider the game against Vancouver as well, since we didn't do a show after that. Um, It's been an eventful week for Atlanta United. Um... Two surprising results, in my opinion. I did not think the team would go out to Vancouver and pull pull back a, a win. I thought that would just be too difficult. I thought, even even though Atlanta probably had the, the edge and technical ability, quality, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, over, over Vancouver, and, you know, tactical nuance, um, I just thought that the team would get outrun. I just thought that it would be too harsh of a trip and it would just be too difficult and that basically what would what happened against Red Bulls I thought that exact thing would happen against Vancouver which is that Atlanta would kind of bog down as the game wore on just kind of gradually tire and to the point where they would get just overrun and you know they'd get beaten physically but they didn't against Vancouver um it was it was a dominating victory despite the scoreline only being one nothing and that was a a point of contention, and I almost regret just saying just now the word dominating because, you know, I think sometimes we get into these, not arguments, but just these little discussions online, on, on Twitter, or on Reddit, or wherever wherever we discuss this team, and, you know, we, we start debating whether something was dominant or whether something was, you know, insert adjective here, and I think that, you know, it, it, it's a... It, it, turns into semantics essentially it's we're arguing or a lot of us are are talking about we have very similar ideas um we're expressing the same sentiments but the only way we differ in is the way that we describe how the results actually were so while one person might say that the win against vancouver was dominant because of the chances that were created another person might say it wasn't very dominant because the score only ended up one nothing and i think that you know i can i can see the case on both sides. Um, I personally think it was more dominant victory, um, a more convincing victory, uh, than I would have expected certainly, but you know, it is what it is. I think that overall what we've seen from this team, what's really obvious is that, you know, this team is not finishing the way that we've seen them finish in the past, you know, and again, and that's another thing talking about, you know, when I say we, the way that they finished in the past. I think that that is another thing we we are latching on to a little bit too much in the Atlanta United community. And and I am at fault for it as well, as I just said it there, um, in kind of reverting to the past and kind of comparing everything against the reference point that was Tata Martino's uh, two teams that he managed uh, in Atlanta United in 2017-2018. 
I just don't know if it serves us any benefit to be comparing this team to that team or vice versa. You know, they're, it's just, it's just different, you know? Um, so yeah, anyway, um, I think the clear issue that we're seeing with Atlanta United is the finishing, you know, Joseph Martinez is not finishing at the same rate. He's not putting his chances in the back of the net at the same rate that he did in the past. And I think we can, you know, get into some of the details as to why that might be happening. It ranges from everything from tactical. Is it because he's being asked to do so much more in Frank DeBoer's system and that, you know, he's being more involved in buildup, therefore maybe getting pulled away from goal a little bit more. Um, and that's limiting his chances, his, his, his scoring ability. I've even heard people referencing, you know, the political crisis in Venezuela as to why Joseph Martinez is not really putting the goals away like he has in the past. And I think that, I think that in particular is a little, um, that's, that's pushing the boundaries of, of why, uh, we're seeing what we are on the field from Joseph. I don't think he's been super like bad this season. Um, you know, I think he's done a lot of things way better than he has in previous years, um, but I do think that there is, I think it's mainly tactical, um, as the reason that we're, we're seeing a little bit of indecision from him. He's just being asked to do more things like we've ha- talked about in the past. And I think that, um, some of it affects his positioning, you know, he'll drop a little bit deeper from time to time. And I think sometimes he's of two minds as to what to do, whether he needs to, you know, pull the trigger on his own or try to set somebody else up for a shot because he has been more involved in kind of releasing the ball and passing it a bit more than he had in the past where he was mainly a poacher, you know, just like running in on goal and getting that first time shot that, you know, just getting a touch off a cross or something to score. I think it was very evident. There was, there was a chance he had in Vancouver and he had a perfect opportunity to shoot from a very dangerous area. And he laid the ball off to Jeff Lorenowitz who in, you know, in Joseph Martinez's, um, you know, to, to his, in, in all fairness to him, you know, Jeff Lorenowitz was in a good position to shoot as well. But I think that Lorenowitz, uh, in that moment was so used to seeing Joseph pull the trigger there that he was surprised the ball came to him. And then because of that surprise, he was just not ready to take the shot and he ended up firing it over the bar. So, um, but yeah, overall, it's just a little troubling to not see the goals go in like they have been in the past, you know, Atlanta's scored what I haven't looked at the schedule. Um, you know, no goals against Red Bulls, one against Vancouver, one against Orlando, two against Toronto, three against Sporting, one against Colorado. So that's, you know, that Sporting Kansas City game, obviously they were they were very much weakened, and I know we have a question about that. Uh, so we'll go into all this stuff, but I think that's kind of my overarching takeaways over the last two games is that, um, well, I guess I've just been a little bit surprised in both games. But I think that, you know, what we saw against Red Bulls was not surprising and what we saw in that they the team wore down physically um, because they have traveled so much. But I think it was just surprising considering Atlanta was up a man. You would think that for such a long period, I think you would have thought that they would have been able to produce a little bit more, at least create some more shots. They didn't have that many shot attempts. I think they had 13, I want to say. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. But, you know, they've been creating more shot, shot attempts than that in games against 11 men. So, you know... Atlanta is actually creating, I think, the second most shots per game than any team in MLS. They're just not finishing them. So, you know, it's a tough one. All right. Let's get into some of these questions from Twitter. Um, Let's see. Zach Russell says, how much much of the the five-game win streak was due to 
out of form, injured slash bad teams versus Atlanta United actually being good. I'm afraid the win streak was just masking the still occurring issues. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, that's something that people have been saying, you know, a lot during this winning streak was, you know, every every win is caveat with, well, you know, they won, but Sporting Kansas City was out, you know, had a million guys injured, or they won, but Toronto rotated nine of their 11 guys, or however many it was, I forget. Um, or it was a bad team, you know, like, yeah, you can caveat these things. I, I think that, you know, part of it is that we are still trying to find out, figure out how good Atlanta United is. And yes, we have not had to face in recent weeks, you know, full strength sides, but then again, neither Atlanta United has not had a full strength side either for almost the entirety of the season. I think, I don't, I don't think there's been one game where you would say every player, that you ideally want in the starting 11 is available to play. Uh, Franco Escobar was injured for much of the beginning of the regular season. And then now obviously you had, and then you had Pitti had an injury. He picked up a hamstring and now you have Barco gone to the FIFA U 20 world cup. So yeah, I think, I mean, I, for all the, you know, if, if you want to say that Atlanta United hasn't been facing full strength sides, I think you have to also consider that Atlanta United hasn't had its full strength side either. Um, for for most of this. Now, I do think that Atlanta has gone against some weaker teams recently, and that has helped them, but, you know, they are winning these games, and in most of these games, basically all of them except Orlando, um, not only are they winning the game, but they are also, you know, statistically they're creating more chances, they're, cre- they're shooting more, um, they're creating higher quality chances in most of these occasions. So, you know, I think that they've done ma- most of what you want to see them do. Again, like we talked about before, it's just about, finishing they're not really doing that at this moment um so yeah that's going to that that's going to need to come around I think it will you know I mean finishing is it's largely it's largely luck based I mean I know people don't like to hear that um ideally you would like to think that you know in sports things are you know there's causal relationships to things and that you know if you're not scoring the way that you should it's because you know you need to practice it more or something like that um, when in reality, it's it's just kind of coincidence and happenstance and luck. You know, it's like shooting in soccer is kind of like uh, hitting in baseball, where you have there's lots of you know moving components um, that affect how the res- how the result of the action plays out. So um, one way that they measure this in baseball is um, the your ba- a player's batting average on balls in play. So a player that has a very high batting average on balls in play is probably just getting lucky. You know, like all a baseball player can really do is try to put good wood on the ball. You know, just try to hit it as hard as you can. That That's all you can do. You're not really aiming uh, for to avoid uh, players or something like that. And it's similar in soccer. In soccer, you want to try to strike the ball as clean as you can. You know, in soccer, there's obviously a little bit more aim. But then again, you have defensive players trying to block the shot, which they can kind of randomly block shots. Obviously, you have a goalkeeper trying to stop shots. So there's just lots of variables at play when it comes to shooting. And and over time, I think that those things kind of equal out to a degree. Um, and I do think that we'll see a better version of Joseph Martinez when it comes to his scoring rate um, as the season progresses. I just think it's going to take some time. Let's see. Um, Alice Alston Lanier says... How much rotation should we expect to see in Salt Lake Friday? I feel like Gressel needs a night off. I will answer that after I take a sip of water. Whew, that tasted good. 
I don't think we'll see a ton of rotation, Alston. Um, you know, Frank DeBoer talked about this a couple weeks ago. Basically saying that, you know, fully rotating a squad... A, a lot of people say that when you fully rotate a squad, you know, you're giving guys a chance. And he doesn't see it that way. He doesn't see... If you're, if you're doing a full rotation, that's not really giving guys a chance. When you... He says, basically, that when you rotate fully, you're kind of giving no one a chance. You're just playing a bunch of guys that don't have great cohesion together, um, that haven't, you know, they don't have experience playing in an MLS game on the field together before. Um, there's just lots of things working against them. So, his his you know, what he likes to do is rotate three or four guys and, ha- and then have a system where when you rotate three guys or so, um, you rotate maybe three guys one game, three different guys the next game. That way you're kind of keeping some consistency in the starting lineup, and then you're also giving those guys who you're rotating in uh, in those games a chance to shine with a group of players that has some cohesion. So I think that that's more along the lines of what we're like uh, of what we're likely to see on Friday. Um, a good example of this would be like the way he's rotated the central midfielders where. Against uh, Vancouver, he gave Nagby, he didn't even bring Nagby on the trip, gave him the night off, but then of course Nagby was going to start in the next game, and then in the next, uh, that would have been against Rebels, and against Rebels he rested Rometty, who had been playing a lot, who started against Vancouver, you know, so these kinds of things. Um, just trying to balance out the minutes as, as best he can. Uh, I was actually surprised to see Miles Robinson get a rest in Vancouver. He's been so consistent, and he's young, you know, um... And, and solid. I, I wouldn't have thought that he would have gotten a rest. I would have thought they would just roll with the same center backs. But um, credit to Florentine Pogba. I thought, you know, obviously we saw a great game from him. Um, and he's fully proven he can play as a center back for this team, which is nice. And if you didn't watch Stoppage Time uh, or, or catch the Stoppage Time podcast from 92.9, which I was on last week, I will just want to say this about Florentine Pogba. Let's just let this guy be a reserve center back. There's nothing wrong with that. It's his first year in MLS. He's, it's his first time really being fit to play in a year and a half or, or more, possibly. So we don't need to, because he had one good game, be clamoring that he has to be playing left back for this team or he has to be a starter in some capacity for this team. He gave us he gave Atlanta United a great start, a start that you know they needed. Um, to, when, when he got put in the lineup, you need him to be solid, and he was. That's great. That's fantastic. And hopefully he can be that again if he's if he's called upon and when he's called upon, because I'm sure he will be. We obviously know that Leandro Gonzalez-Perez is a center back that picks up his fair share of yellow cards. So um, there will be, you know, suspensions down the line for yellow card accumulation. Um, God forbid there's an injury, but if there are, you know, that's when Florentine Pogba will be called upon. And he knows that. He, he knows that that's his role in this team. And um, yeah, and I think that, that that's fine. That, that's all he needs to be. Um if if he can continue to produce when called upon like he did against in, against Vancouver, then you know Atlanta will be in great stead. So um, I don't think he needs to play left back. I don't think he's well suited to play left back. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I you know having watched him play like four times a season, three or four times, um, and you know Atlanta I don't think really needs him at left back at this point. Breck Shea is picking up his form at left back. Michael Parkhurst looks good at left back when he's played. Mikey Ambrose is regaining his fitness. He's playing with the twos, and it won't be long again before we see him with Atlanta United with the first team. So I think left back is actually looking like a like a deeper position um, than maybe it did, you know, this time three weeks ago. So um, 
yeah, I think we're good there. Good job, Florentine Pogba. Tony Jabroni, what are the chances you'll actually answer our questions this time? Well, I'm not going to answer that one. Joe Chris, Tim Pullwagent. Wagent? Uh, some U.S. soccer pun that I'm not getting right now. Asks, uh, what's the going rate for finishing school these days? Okay, yeah, we talked about that. Um, Mr. Pease, Coach Pibb says, who won the title last year? Sometimes I forget and have to remind myself. Is Joseph lacking confidence or just regressing to the mean? There have been about eight times a season so far where I thought last year he would have put that one away. Yeah, again, we've I kind of touched on this. Um, I think he's both lacking confidence and somewhat regressing to the mean, I guess. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I think he'll improve. I think he's playing below his kind of mean level right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he is lacking a bit of confidence. I think he's just a little indecisive. And I think that he also, I think he's just mentally and physically fatigued. I mean, Joseph Martinez has played almost every minute for Atlanta United this season. Um, I was looking at the minutes from a lot of players the other day, and I know Miles Robinson at one point had played like every minute. And I think Joseph has played all but, I want to say he's played all but 14 minutes or 18 minutes, I think. I think all but 18 minutes for Atlanta United this season. As a striker, that is insane. I mean, that is a ton. That is too much. Um, unfortunately, Atlanta United doesn't really have a backup striker, which is an issue. Um, I, wa- I do wonder if Frank DeBoer would ever consider playing Tito as a striker um, and giving Joseph a rest. That's something we saw Tito do when, under Tata Martino. Um, you know, and, and what we've seen from Tito recently is that he, he's, you know, his finishing ability isn't fantastic either. Sometimes it's it's kind of funny. Sometimes you feel like you'd rather have him being have him shooting from further away um, than closer, and that, that would almost give him a better chance of scoring. But I think he's dangerous up there. I think he's dangerous up top. He, his speed presents a trouble, trouble for center backs, and um, I wouldn't mind seeing Tito playing up top um, and giving Joseph a rest here and there, but I don't see it happening. I mean, I think that if that were something that were possible, I think we would have seen more of it at this point. Um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Maybe Dion Pereira with his showing against, uh, New York Rebels will show enough in the wing position where maybe Frank DeBoer would be comfortable, you know, using Tito as a striker because he knows he has Pereira. He can play on the wing. Who knows? We're going to find out over the course of the season. Um, but it does seem that Frank DeBoer does not have a lot of confidence for Mario Williams. And to be perfectly honest, I can't blame him a whole lot. Um, just from what I see from Romario in the brief, you know, the moments of training that we see as journalists, um, and then what we see on the field, he just doesn't, you know, just doesn't look like the same quality player. And it's like, yeah, you, you, you would not really want to see Romario Williams going 90 minutes. He seems like more of a guy you would want to throw on kind of like he did against Rebels. Um, let's see. Eli Stafford Stafford says, uh, how drastic has the effect of losing Barco been on these last few games? And when he gets back, do you think he'll be able to pick up where he left off or will it take some readapting to the team? Um, good question. We'll have a video coming out today, actually, of, uh, Ezekiel Barco, um, on Dirty South Soccer's YouTube channel. Go subscribe to that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think losing Barco has been huge. I kind of joked with, some of the guys, uh, in the guys and girls in the uh, Dirty South Soccer Slack chat, talking about, um, 
you know, Rebels didn't have their their full allotment of players. They're missing, you know, their best couple of players. You you could argue, and I, but I think I kind of joked. I think you could argue Atlanta United was missing its best player this season in Ezekiel Barco. Uh, I think he's been that good. You know, he's just it's pretty incredible how how much of a turnaround he's had. But I think that he is really the driver of this team. Um, he's kind of what makes things tick, and he also just I think. More than anything, he gives you that energy that we got from Miguel Almiron last year. And um, he's really provided that engine for the team uh, with his legs. His ability to run on the ball away from defenders is huge. It's very We, I, we saw a lot of that against uh, Sporting Kansas City. And it's something that, um, you know, obviously we saw so much of the last two years with Almiron. So I think that, yeah, I think that Barco is obviously very important. Um I don't know if it'll take as much readapting to the team as it would have a year ago, obviously. I think that he's grown up a lot professionally. Um, I think he has a really good group of guys who support him in the Atlanta United locker room. Um, You know, I think he considers a lot of them good friends now, as to where maybe he didn't in the past. Um, You know, they were more, they felt more like strangers than friends. Uh, I've talked to Joseph Martinez about this this season. He said that he's really tried to, you know, take, Barquito under his wing and and be there for him both as a you know professional player but also you know just a friend off the field um you know someone you can be with and be comfortable with hanging out just you know enjoying yourself off the field and I think that uh that's very important for these South American players is to have guys around that they don't feel like they have to live up to being a certain person in front of them they can just be themselves and just relax and um, Joseph, I think, is is being that guy for Barco, and I think we're, we're I think we're seeing it pay off. Joseph obviously didn't really, you know, he didn't want to take um, take kind of credit for being that guy for Barco, but I think that it is something we're seeing. Um, I think we're seeing the effects of it in a good way. Obviously, Barco's been great this season. Okay, we're gonna have to get to this. Um, Payson says, if you had to get one animal tattooed on your thigh, what would it be? No, it wouldn't be an animal. It would be a potato. Why a potato? I know that's what everybody's asking right now. And let me tell you why. One of my favorite books as a child was Lewis Sackar's Wayside School series. Specifically, Wayside School is Falling Down. I believe that was number two in his series. Lewis Sackar is a genius. I don't know if I'm even pronouncing his name right. But in the 14th chapter of Wayside School is Falling Down, according to Wikipedia, I'm going to read aloud the chapter summary. The chapter's name is Calvin's Big Decision. Calvin announces that he's getting a tattoo for a birthday present. Despite other suggestions, he settles for a potato tattoo on his ankle. Though he notes the distaste of his peers, he decides that it doesn't matter since he feels sure he made the right choice. And that's the end of the chapter, and uh, I just really always took that one to heart. And that's why if I ever get a tattoo, it will be of a potato. Has Joseph Martinez's newfound passing touch helped or hurt his market value? Uh, This is from The Ghost of Yamil Assad. R.I.P. Yamil. Has Joseph Martinez's newfound passing touch helped or hurt his market value? It's an interesting question. 
And also, ATL UTD is in the middle of an eight games and 28-day stretch. So far, in aggregate, it's going pretty well. The trick is to ignore XG when you win and look at it when you lose, asked Caleb Porter. How many points is good, and how do I remember when they look not good? Okay. Um, let's start with the first question. Has Joseph Martinez's newfound passing touch helped or hurt his market value? I don't know, and I don't really care. Um to be honest, like Joseph Martinez just signed a long-term contract extension before this season. So I don't see him as a player whose market value I really care about right now. Um, I do think that even though he signed that extension, I'm not convinced that he's like going to retire an Atlanta United player. He's still very young. And I think that there's a very good chance that he, you know, is sold to another team before his contract runs up. So I think that um, I think that his market value does matter, but on the horizon, like down the line, it matters. I don't think it really matters right now. Um, but I guess to, to kind of answer this question, I think that it helps, you know, it helps to train him to do new things and to do things um, that a center forward, you know, that teams will want to see a center forward be able to do. I mean, Joseph Martinez is being asked to play a very, you know, fully rounded central forward game, you know, like he's not playing as like a Jermaine Defoe style poacher that he played as last season. I think last season he had one assist or something. If that one or two, um, he was really a guy who didn't have that many touches. We would see it on occasion, you know, like he, sometimes he would drop deep. He loved doing this thing where he drops deep and plays one touch off of Miguel and then turns and sprints um, behind the opposing back line. I think that this year we're starting to see him like take that to a ne- to the next level and do even get even more involved in the buildup. Um, and that's at Frank DeBoer's tactical uh, instruction. So I think it's good for Joseph Martinez to kind of develop some of these skills long term. I think it's really important also to point out the fact that um, you know he's never really been. A lone central forward for very long in his career. In fact, um, last year with Atlanta United it was really the first time he played as a, as a central striker, like n- you know, not playing off of a central striker, because that's always what he'd done in his career at Torino. He had uh, Andrea Bellotti, uh, who was like a who's a big you know, kind of uh, your standard dominant center forward. Uh, and then with Venezuela, he's always had Salomon Rondon there. Who's been that same guy as well. And then, so Joseph Martinez in his entire career before Atlanta United has played either on the wing on the left wing, cutting inside onto his right foot. I think he played there a lot with, when he was with young boys, uh, in Switzerland, or he, he was, you know, playing as a kind of a, not quite a number 10, but like a, you know, a second forward, essentially someone who kind of drifts around the central focus point, um, striker. So I think he, you know, he's still developing as, as a striker. And I think that what Frank DeBoer is asking him to do, um, might not be very natural for him right now, but I think it will make him a better player in the long run. So I think that's only going to be good for him, uh, in the long run, so long as he gets his shooting boots back. But I think that, you know, He'll get that back. He just needs some confidence. He needs some rest. Um, and I think we'll start to see that. I think that like what we're I think a lot of what we saw against Red Bulls, both from Joseph Martinez and I think Pitti Martinez as well, um, was just like mental exhaustion. I think that when 
when you see a lot of the uh you know the flopping the the diving the and then like the complaining to the referees that we saw from pity uh against rebels i think that that is that is mental fatigue that is frustration that is just you know when when you when you're in that mode when you're feeling frustrated like that already and then you don't get a perceive a call that you think you should have gotten or something like that. you know it just, it just everything is exacerbated and i think that you know with and with joseph martinez we saw him you know he had a one-on-one attempt and then he tried to round the keeper and he tried to chop you know fake shot and try to round the keeper and it i just don't think with a fully fresh mentally and physically joseph you see him do that i think you'd see him probably try to take that on in a different way. I think that that was, and it kind of leads to that second guessing and the lack of confidence and all that stuff. So I think rest both again, physically and mentally is very important for these guys. And um, later in the season, hopefully they get that back. Unfortunately, like for someone like Joseph, you know, we think of June as a break, but it's not going to be a break for him because he's going to be, he's going to have international games going on. And so are a lot of Atlanta's best players. So um, some of this stuff might not come together until like, you know, kind of the last quarter of the season. Um, it'll be it'll be a tough managerial task for, for Frank DeBoer to figure out how to kind of manage all these minutes uh, and try to find a group of players that can get the job done if he needs to rest some key players like a Joseph Martinez, a Petit Martinez, etc. So, will be interesting to see. Now I'm rambling. Um, let's see. I, I talked about the, the eight games in 28-day stretch. I will just say this. Um for the schedule, uh, the travel, you know, it's tough on these guys. I was looking into it. If you follow me on Twitter, um, which you probably do, if you're listening to this, then you will may may have seen what I posted this morning, which I was just looking around at the Argentine league. And it's so funny. Like half the teams in the league are, are located in Buenos Aires. And some of them are, you know, Rosario's not that far out from Buenos Aires. Um, the longest trip a team would make would be like an hour and a half, plane flight and there's only like you know there's not that many teams that are that are that far out and I think and they only play one game so they're not even having to make all of those trips out they play every team once they may only have to make like half the trips outside of the city um so basically all I'm saying is that you know Pitti Martinez has probably traveled more in the last week than he had than he normally would have um in like an entire Argentine Super League season so you can understand why that would be difficult for someone like him and a lot of other guys but especially someone like him um you know it's hard to perform when you're getting used to that travel it's doing things to your body and it's hard to perform your best when things are happening to your body and your body is fatigued and and you're not used to it you've honestly like think about Pitti Martinez has probably you know not really done that much traveling he's all he's played in argentina his entire life um and outside of like copa libertadores uh obviously the the last copa libertadores final was in madrid so that was some travel but other than like travel he's done for copa libertadores and then international duty um you know he probably he hasn't had that many like long he's never had a long six-hour flight like he had to vancouver and then have to play a day later like i mean that's probably happened to him you know before but not that often and it's something that happens regularly in MLS so it's something that you know that's part of this adaptation that we always talk about with players coming into the league it's a weird league like no soccer league would have that much has this much travel really so um that was me talking for 32 minutes 
or almost 32 minutes, and boy, are my arms tired. That was difficult, but I think we did it. I think we did it. I think we answered most of the questions. Let me see. We might have one more here. God bless Sam. Those kids. Damn college kids. Taking one last look. Hoping nobody else asked a question. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, if we missed a question, sorry. But I'm not really that sorry. Uh, all right. So we will talk to you guys at some point later. Um, again, like I said, we have a video coming out on Barcode today. So make sure you check that out on Dirty South Soccer. And please subscribe to that Dirty South Soccer uh, YouTube channel. It'd make me happy and possibly help me keep a job, which would be good. It'd be very good. So if you want to help content creators and people who are just trying to work hard making making content for y'all, then go ahead and subscribe to that. Anyway, uh, I'm going to get out of here because I've been talking for way too long now. Um, I don't know what Sam usually says at this point, but bye.